You're listening to the Grace Sermon Podcast with messages from Pastor Chris Twightman and the community at Grace Lutheran Church, Huntington Beach. We're a family church that exists to engage life together and impact our neighborhoods as disciples of Jesus. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org. Now, stay tuned for today's message. Lent, um, in order to have some focus to it, we we always try to rally around the theme. And this year, for this season, our journey is going to be about following Jesus in learning to love our neighbors like he did. And I think this dovetails nicely off the series we just did on the book of Micah. And so the theme, as you see on the front of your bulletin for this year's sermon series, is go and do likewise. For the next six Sundays and on into Holy Week, leading all the way to Resurrection Easter Easter Sunday, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be reflecting on the different encounters Jesus had with neighbors, the people surrounding him, the persons he bumped into, and the individuals who were often not noticed by anyone else. So we're going to begin today and frame this entire series by listening to one of Jesus' parables, the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. Interesting thing, even though this is probably one of Jesus' best-known stories, I mean, people even outside the church know it, it only occurs, did you know this, in the Gospel of Luke. And it immediately follows, as we're going to hear, after Luke's account of what we call the Great Commandment. In the Gospels of Matthew and Mark, Jesus says the great commandment, that the great commandment, the summation of the law and all of Scripture is to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. But only Luke follows up on the question with another one, one that gets thrown at Jesus. Who is my neighbor? Only Luke tells us how Jesus defines exactly who our neighbor is. So with that introduction, let's hear the Gospel of Luke chapter 10 starting in verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, what is written in the law, he replied. Jesus asked, how do you read it? And this man, this expert in the law, answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went into him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As I told you, the series theme for Lent is right out of these words that we hear from Jesus, go and do likewise. 
But in order to go and do likewise, as Jesus says, as the, this passage in Luke bears out, we have to know who our neighbors are. We make a lot of assumptions. We can. We do. We make a lot of assumptions about the people who live around us in our community. We make assumptions about how they see things. We make assumptions about what they long for and need. We make assumptions about how they perceive value and worth. We tend to think, if we're honest, we tend to think our neighbors see, long for, need, and value the same things we do. But this can be a dangerous and false assumption that gets in the way of following Christ and answering his call to love others like he loves us. So today, we are going to intentionally and carefully consider who our neighbors are, specifically what they need. Your leadership of, of this church, your leadership of this community has been kind of wrestling with our sense of how, you know, we've been here for over 50 years. How are we called? Why did God call us to Huntington Beach? And I think one of the most astute, spirit-given observations that came out of us discussing the leadership was just stepping back for a second and assuming that we knew what our community needed, <laughs> that we knew our community. And so we made an intentional decision to step back and to not just base our perception of how God is leading us, where God is calling us based upon what we think, what we see, what we hear on our own, second hand, third hand, if you will, anecdotally, but instead to make the effort to invite individuals from our community in positions of of leadership and positions of service to invite them, no holes barred, to tell us what they see, what they perceive, what they hear, and for us to listen to them. And so that's what's gonna be happening today, and we're gonna do this again in the future. We've invited some very special guests to be with us to share with us what they see, what they hear, and I've got some specific questions I'm gonna ask them, and they're gonna answer, and I wanna invite you to listen. It's intentional that today, the, the group that we have the guests that we have um, very much reflect the spirit of this story in that they are first responders. They are people that are often the people we look for when tragedy strikes, when trauma is experienced, when disaster occurs. And so I want to introduce each of them to you as they're going to come up here. And once they're all up, I want us to welcome them with a round of applause. Um, first, we have with us, we are privileged and honored to have Lieutenant Kenton Farron who is a lieutenant in the Huntington Beach Police Department. He has been in law enforcement for 30 years, 20 of those years in LA County, and uh, he in Huntington Beach has, his, his job description is massive. Um, it's two jobs that have become one. He has oversight specifically of traffic and special events. He's also a part of the downtown detail in Huntington Beach, and he is also, there's other things I could list, but something I think is acute for us, he's the head of the Homeless Task Force of Huntington Beach. And so we welcome him to come forward, Lieutenant Kenton, if you'd come. Thank you. Joining Lieutenant Kenton up here is uh, Battalion Chief Bill Reardon. Uh, he is from the Huntington Beach Fire Department. He has been Division Chief for over 35 years. Uh, he, 27 of which have been with the Huntington Beach Fire Department. His experience includes working for several fire agencies, Boeing, Fountain Valley Fire Department, and also distinguished service in the United States Marine Corps as an aviation firefighter. We want to thank Lute Battalion Chief Bill for coming forward.
And she was with us just a few weeks ago. She also used to be a part of our community as a member, uh, but she is now a part of another worshiping community, but she's still part of serving this community in a powerful way. Carol Burtis is a, the CERT coordinator of Huntington Beach, and CERT stands for Community Emergency Response Team. She's been involved with this for over 25 years. As I said, her current position is as the coordinator for the Huntington Beach Fire Department. Her specialty is in personal preparedness for individuals, families, neighborhoods, schools, businesses and churches in helping them be prepared to take care of oneself in critical hours and days of a disaster because as she shared with us last time that is the key those initial hours and days are the keys to minimizing loss of life when there is an emergency can we welcome carol forward as well please thank you want to thank you guys again for being here today. I uh, appreciate you giving your time, and I want to uh, just say thank you, and I, we will do this again, for serving our community in the way that you do. Uh, we know that that is a, a unique calling, and it, it also takes a toll upon you and your families, and we just want to have, and again, I want to encourage you just to offer to God a thank you for, for those who serve. Please. Um, I've got some questions to ask you, which I didn't grab the right questions, so let me do that so I don't make this up as I go. But I want to say, you know, sometimes when we have guests in our home, um, when you're a guest in someone's home, there's an, an automatic assumption or, uh, that, you know, you, you want to not say anything to offend, you want to be nice, you know, maybe sometimes you might hold back because, you know, you're a guest. And um, I want to encourage you to speak openly and honestly to us. We, we invited you to hear, and I don't expect that you would do otherwise, but just in case, because you, you're not a part of our community. Uh, we're a part of this larger neighborhood together, but you may not know us. I want you to speak openly and honestly in answer to these questions. And we recognize that there may be some things we may be surprised to hear. There may be some things that we don't want to hear. Uh, there may be some things that are hard for us to hear, but the benefit of this is for us to learn and for us to understand what we don't know and what we think we know, but we, but, but we don't know. So with that kind of introduction, uh, I'm, I'm asking each of you the same questions and just want your insight. The first question, as you know, is if you would just briefly share from your perspective and what you do and how long you've been doing it, what are the major issues and specific challenges that face the community of Huntington Beach, and if you can go beyond that, the wider community of Orange County. So what issues and specific challenges do you see from your vantage point that you'd like to share with us? Well, before I start, I, uh, I serve on the board at Radiant Church. You guys may know Jeremy King, who's my good friend and pastor. And I, I called him after uh, getting here, and I said, hey, I, I think I'm coming back to Radiant, but they feed us here in the morning. <laughs> so... And he said, no, you have to come back. He said, you can visit Grace, but you got to come back to Radiance. So, so, the, so the, larger, the larger problem in Huntington Beach, you know, this is a very safe town. I live here. So I'm not only on the police department, but I'm also a resident. And uh, working in Los Angeles County, there are a lot of challenges that we just couldn't overcome. Um, here, we're able to overcome some of them. However, some of them that we're, that we're not. One of the challenges, I think, that the, is the greatest challenge, not just here in Huntington Beach, but across Orange County and Los Angeles County. I just got back from San Diego. San Diego's having the same problem. And it is the homeless problem. But you have to understand homelessness and what it is. There's, there's, when someone tells me that person's homeless or they're a transient or what have you, it's not just about that person not having a home. Some people have mental issues, some have addiction issues, and some are simply just living out of a car and don't have a home. 
Um, Huntington Beach does what's called a point and count. Um, every year in the county assists us with that. And what we do is we kind of do our best to count how many homeless individuals in known areas that we have are out there. Um, last year, we're about 300 to 350 that we counted. Um, and that's not our overall population because you know that ebbs and flows. But of those, um, about 300, 350 people we were able to count. And then the county uses those numbers to give the overall county kind of idea of where we're at with our homeless population. Our homeless task force officers were able to contact about 900 plus homeless last year. Um, of those, I wrote down some of these numbers here for you. Um, we actually housed um, 64 of them, which is pretty impressive. Um, now, people call me all the time, not with just traffic problems or downtown problems or beach problems or what have you, but they call me all the time and say, I would like you to send all your resources out to deal with these homeless issues we're having. And it comes from both sides, some people that want to help and some people that, that don't want the homeless here. Um, I have, just so you know, I have two officers and two caseworkers for a town of 200 and some thousand people. So they're working like crazy to do the job that they do. So, so to locate 63 people is pretty substantial. That, that they do a lot of work and to actually get people into homes and get them home to wherever they're from is an actually pretty big deal. So from, from the police department's perspective, I'd say homelessness is a big deal. You obviously see there's an increase in crime um, across the county. That's out of our control. That's for a whole variety of reasons. But the homeless issue, I think Huntington Beach, if I were to put one, my finger on one thing, would probably be the, the one thing where I think we see an issue and I think where we can have an impact on that issue. So. Well, uh, thank you, Pastor Chris, and thank you for inviting us here this morning uh, to appreciate uh, the work that we do. And, and we really would like to provide our insights and be open in our observations and the services that we provide. Uh, we're always uh, open for suggestions. Uh, but to your question, Pastor Chris, I think similar to uh, uh, Lieutenant Farron's uh, comments, uh, the fire department also is involved in um, providing services to the homeless uh, community. Um, you know, I think it's one of those things where as first responders, we get called and we render uh, care for some of those uh, folks. Uh, sometimes they politely say, no thanks, I'm good, and, and they move on. Other times uh, they, they do elect to engage in our services and we'll transport them to a, a local hospital or an urgent care center and provide those services. Uh, it's certainly an impact to uh, our services that we provide similar to the police department uh, we've got other emergencies that we need to deal with uh, but that's certainly when somebody calls 911 we're going to go out there and provide that service um, another uh, component that we also get impacted with and we've noticed uh, an uptick in our calls is the uh, senior population requiring our services and i think it's uh, the clock is ticking as far as the baby boomers and, and uh, I think our population is growing, and as a result, there's an increased level of need uh, for services uh, in a variety of, of means. Well, my perspective being in the disaster preparedness side of the world is a little different than my, uh, my uh, coworkers here, but as I mentioned when I was here last time, if we had a major earthquake in Southern California, we could easily be cut off for not only a few days, but several weeks, perhaps even months from electricity and running water and that kind of thing. So I strongly, strongly encourage you to get yourself and your family better prepared to deal with disasters so that you can help out your neighbors that aren't prepared. 
because when the big earthquake hits, it's going to be you and your neighbors and your family helping each other. Because as uh, Battalion Chief Reardon has said, you know, we've got over 200,000 people in this city and roughly about 40 firefighters at any given time on duty to take care of them. And so when a major earthquake happens, they do a windshield survey. They drive up and down the major streets, figure out where their resources can help the most people at that particular time, and then work their way down. And so it could take several days before they can get out into the neighborhoods to actually help there. It's not that they don't want to. There are just so many people to go around. In an everyday world, we have mutual aid from other cities that can help. But in a big earthquake, we're not going to have that. And so uh, we do offer free CERT classes. Uh, we have one next month. It is currently full with a waiting list, but last time we managed to get everybody from the waiting list into the class. We will have another class next November. Uh, there are other communities, if you don't live in Huntington Beach, that also have CERT programs. I would encourage you to go on their websites and try and take a class. It's 20 hours of training, but it's something that you can use at your home, here at church. You can use it in uh, wherever you work. Uh, we teach things how to use a fire extinguisher. One of our volunteers was at school and somebody's uh, battery-run skateboard caught on fire. They had flames this high and everyone else was just taking video of it. And he went in, grabbed a fire extinguisher, and he learned how in our class how to put the fire out. And we had another lady I just got an email from, from uh, one of our CERT family that uh, lives in a mobile home park, and there was a 90-some-year-old woman there that had collapsed, and she ended up helping her out and getting family to help take care of her and everything else. So, I mean, this is just good general information. Even if you don't want to be part of our CERT community, uh, take the training, learn how to do some of this uh, basic first aid. You know, you could even be down at the beach and, or out walking somewhere and help someone. So uh, that is one really good way you can help out in the community is just know how to help. Actually, Battalion Chief, if I may, I wanted to come back. Could you elaborate a little bit on just saying you're seeing an uptick? I mean, I think I know, but I don't want to just assume in terms of the senior population. What are the specific issues that are coming up? Well, you know, I think it's it's a couple of things. I mean, last year we ran about 20,000 emergency calls in our community. About 75% of those are EMS related. Uh, you know, when we, we go to different people's homes, um, we're there to provide medical treatment, but, you know, we, we observe different things. It could be a senior that needs some assistance with meals, maybe some assistance with some mental health challenges. Um, they may need... Um, some uh, companionship. Uh, so, you know, we try to keep our eyes open and provide uh, guidance uh, to some of our seniors in the event that we have those observations. Uh, unfortunately, we do see some times where there's elders abuse and, and we've got the opportunity to make contact with the county and, and provide a referral and, and, and get the, the help that those uh, folks need. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Lieutenant Kenton, Kenton um, is there, are, are there other issues, I mean, just as the demographics of Huntington Beach have changed that you see that from the police department's vantage point of, I mean, hearing very much about homelessness, but is there anything else that's a unique tension in our community that's an, an, an area of, you know, being aware of or being even mindful of maybe way we can be a positive <laughs> impact? Yeah, absolutely. So is everybody here familiar with the Oakview community? Does everybody know where Oakview is? So um, it's one square mile. There was actually a book written about it called One Square Mile. Um, I think the, 
the average annual income is right around, the average is around $10,000 to $12,000 a year. Predominantly Hispanic. There's about 10,000 people living in that one square mile. So there's a whole bunch of activity going on in that community. God's doing a tremendous amount of work. This, in my opinion, is your Jerusalem, right? So it's close by, and yet a lot of people don't even know what's going on in there. Um, in that community, you have a number of churches that are providing a tremendous outreach. Um, there's one group of kids, and I'm calling kids, there's two young men that started something about two years ago. It's called Common Ground. Um, you probably know Jake and Matt. Okay, so Jake and Matt, these guys are awesome. They started out just taking kids surfing in the community, and they would average about 20 to, to 40 kids in the summer, and then off and on they would take other kids throughout the week um, as they were out of school. They have since leased a building. Um, I can tell you where it's at, you know, in, in Oakview community. They've started a skateboard program. They've taken a whole field and they've got skateboard ramps and everything there. They've created a soccer field next to it. In the building, they provide after-school help assistance. They also have assistance with uh, some of the kids that don't have enough um, food to eat. They'll provide food, and so they always, always are asking for top ramen and snacks and things like that so that the kids can come there. I'd have to give you the exact number now. You may know better than I do, but I think it's around, it's over 100 kids from that community now that are coming there daily to daily. get, to get you know, fed, not literally and figuratively, right? So, I mean, these kids, these, these two guys, Matt and Jake, are making a tremendous impact. They are going to change that community. In that community, you have two gangs, kind of three gangs, but two gangs. They create some problems, but nothing like, you know, in Los Angeles, but they still create problems. We've had, just this last month, I think we've had two or three shootings in there. Um, we have some gang violence. But what happens is right around that age, which these two gentlemen are reaching, around that 11, 12, 13-year-old um, age, where they start to change and decide if they want to become a gang member or they start to get influenced in that direction, Matt and Jake are getting a hold of them. And so... If, if other than the homeless issue, if I were to say there's any other issue in this community that's close enough that you could probably hit it with a rock if you threw it hard enough, that's Oakview. And you've got three or four churches in there deep. You guys could, could, could help just by giving assistance with after-school programs, with providing the snacks like they're asking for. Um, but I'm sure your pastor's dialed in with Matt and Jake and, and their pastor and, and how you guys could be involved. But that's, that's the other area. I'm going to chime in real quick just to give you a little bit of a perspective from, for us and what's also upcoming. Uh, we're very aware and getting even more involved with the Oakview community. There's a, co a coalition of churches in, in Huntington Beach that are part of something called Mission OC, Mission Orange County. And uh, one of those endeavors is to, to get more involved with Common Ground, but also to help uh, the planting of a church in Oakview, an organic plant, meaning we're not coming in and planting a church, but helping the community from within to plant a church. And we've been involved with that. We actually uh, Mission OC is an, is an organization that's bigger than just Orange County. It kind of comes in and helps. And recently, our gathering has helped to vet, to begin to train a great couple um, that is going to be planning a church in Oakview. That, by the way, Oakview, and this, I, I, I say this just to give some perspective. Within our community, it's sometimes referred to as the Slater Slums, which is really, really sad, and I think uh, t telling. 
um, about it. Uh, but what, why, we are inf- involved in this, but what's also going to be exciting is two months from now, we're going to do another one of these listening panels, but we're actually going to have that couple that's going to be planting the church in Oakview awesome. that will be sharing their story, sharing specifically how we can help. And so I just want to give you that as something to look forward to and see that God's already moving in that way. So you've kind of taken us in the direction of the second question. So if either of you also want to chime in of just this idea of day in, day out, doing what you do, you know, you see a lot. Where are the areas, places, relationships of opportunity and hope that you see in the community of Huntington Beach and in, the, in wider Orange County? Well, I'll take a stab at that. That's a pretty broad question. It's big, but, I know. Um, you know, I, I think personally and professionally, I think there's always that uh, glimmer of hope. I think that people still continually do the right things uh, on a day-to-day basis. Uh, I think one of the things uh, with the advent of, uh, you know, social media, uh, internet, uh, there's pros and cons to that, obviously. But lo and behold, you will see those instances where somebody reaches out and does something to a total stranger. And uh, I think that's still out there. Uh, And uh, I think we still have, you know, things to look forward to. And and I think, in general, uh, our community is doing pretty darn good considering the area that we're in, in Southern California. Uh, I think we're very blessed, we're very fortunate, and uh, I think things are pretty bright. Italian Chief Bill, from, from your experience, maybe from the, the people working w- with you, uh, you know, we had the sharing of common grounds. Are there any particular organizations in the community that, you, that have been helpful that you, the fire department sees that's making a difference, that's maybe going above and beyond, that's trying to see just, just different areas of need and make an impact? Well, um, I, I did a little research. Yeah. And aside from maybe specific civic groups uh, as a whole, I know that uh, Carol had already mentioned a couple uh, opportunities that are out there to assist our senior um, population. But um, you know, if somebody wanted to look at, it's called 1OC is the website, and it's really a gateway to pro- that provides an opportunity to see what volunteer opportunities are in Orange County and specifically to Huntington Beach. City of Huntington Beach has a myriad of volunteer program opportunities for individuals, even somebody from the church, two or three people can go together and, and provide an impact. Um, on the senior uh, services side, I mean, there's Meals on Wheels, there's transportation services. These are some of the things that, again, the, as first responders, we notice with their senior population. They, they can't get good meals, they need transportation, go to the doctor. People can volunteer and provide those services, and it, it's much needed. So I think those are some of the opportunities. Um, Carol already mentioned the CERT program. We're very, very fortunate to have uh, Carol and Phil uh, in our CERT program and all the myriad of other volunteers that assist with that program. Uh, In addition to that, an arm of the CERT program is the RACES program, which is the Radio Amateur Civil Emergencies uh, Services program. The radios that uh, Lieutenant Farron and I use work great. Up until the point there's a significant emergency such as an earthquake and they go down then we won't be able to communicate. But with the volunteers that serve on these radio positions, they actually can provide an individual to be in a fire engine and also in the EOC, and we can still continue to provide uh, level services. So that's another way of volunteering. Um, Project SHIP is a, a senior home inspection program. That's a volunteer program where we train volunteers to go out and provide uh, if a person requests a senior citizen a, a home a safety inspection and a free smoke detector and CO detector, again, that's reaching that senior population that I've mentioned. So um, there's just, you just got to kind of look a little bit, but those are just 
a couple ideas to you know that uh, the uh, congregation can engage in. Those are fabulous. Thank you. Okay, you're welcome, Carol. Um, you you've, you you made mention, and I really appreciate what you just said because what I heard when we think about community community emergency response. You know, we can think big picture like an earthquake, but I heard you even saying, you know, it can be something smaller than that. I mean, the fire that recently we had in Huntington Beach, of how does a community rally in the midst of that before the fire department gets there or the police department gets there? And I even, so I, I wanted to provoke any examples you've had of people who've gone through the CERT training or have been connected to it, maybe smaller, where you've seen them do some good work, just to spark some ideas for us. Well, one program we have had here in the city for several years is sandbagging for disabled and elderly people and uh, good, bad, or whatever, we haven't had much rain this year, but last year we sandbagged uh, over 50 uh, homes uh, for disabled and elderly, distributed close to 1,000 sandbags, and it's our CERT volunteers that go out and do this for our people. And so that is one place where we've had a tremendous impact because I had one lady, her husband had died, and they had some various areas around their home that whenever the, it would rain hard, the water would come inside her home and they'd actually had some damage in one of the areas. And uh, they were just, she was just so relieved that we could provide that service for her. And our CERT volunteers last year donated over 2,600 hours of volunteer time uh, to the community. Uh, doing uh, various uh, events in the city, first aid booths and that kind of thing, the, the sandbagging. And uh, so again, if you take the CERT training and volunteer, you can get out in the community and, and help with a, a huge variety of, of programs that can really make a difference for people. Every year we staff a first aid booth at the US Open of surfing and also at the air show. And uh, last year, uh, at the U.S. Open, I think we treated over 350 people that saved the fire department from having to uh, send out first responders or lifeguards having to deal with it. Most of them minor cuts, bruises, overheating, and that kind of thing. But the people, again, are just so grateful to have that service. So if you have a heart for serving people, whether it's first aid or you've got a strong back and lift sandbags, you want to be a techie and help us put our newsletter together, there's a lot of different things that you can do. Part of what I also heard you share, and I just want to see if what, how this sounds to you, Carol, is could someone go through the CERT training and then even, you know, many of, many of us live in uh, communities, within communities, of, of even being like a CERT coordinator for your neighborhood, like say for your block or something. Interesting you should bring that up. Uh, <laughs> we're in the process of launching uh, a new program. We actually just put a survey monkey out to our uh, existing CERT volunteers where we're going to go back out into the neighborhoods to people that have already taken the CERT training and see if they're interested in kind of reviving their neighborhood CERT team. I actually go out and do presentations in uh, neighborhoods and, and uh, ho homeowners associations and everything. But what we're going to do is in May, we're going to have a one-day class where, uh, like my husband and I ha are the leaders of our own neighborhood CERT program, and we're going to try and get some of our neighbors to come to this one-day class. And it's not a 20-hour CERT training, but it's going to be a little more basic, maybe to get you excited to want to take the 20-hour CERT <laughs> training, but it's going to be some very basic first aid, personal home and family preparedness, how to use a fire extinguisher, that type of thing. And we really want to start back up at getting individual neighborhoods organized. That was the whole idea of the CERT program, is to have basically a neighborhood leader and cert trained people in every neighborhood so that you can self-sustain your neighborhood for uh, 
anywhere from a few days to a week or two by just kind of pooling your resources and pre-identifying maybe kids that are home and alone, somebody that's really into pets, how to help take care of the pets, seniors that need uh, additional assistance. Maybe one of them is on some type of like an oxygen generator and they don't have a um, generator, uh, but someone else does and we can share that in the neighborhood. So that's something we're really going to focus on this year. Great. Thank you, Carol. Uh, Lieutenant Farron, I wanted to follow up uh, in, from something you st shared at the beginning in terms of homelessness in Huntington Beach. Uh, you probably know uh, we, we endeavored when for many years had had a ministry here on Sundays that we called Good News, where we offered food, clothing, um, just a, a space uh, for those who were who struggling uh, with not even having a roof over their heads or living out of their car, different, just below the poverty line. And recently we've had for lack of, lack of resources, not the ability to sustain it, where we've sort of put that on hiatus and are stepping back to try to see what's the way we can make the most impact. How, can, how is God calling us to contribute to the solution or to helping rather than to, to hurting? Um, and I wanted to ask you, being a part of the task force, and whether it applies to us or to others, sometimes we do things with the best of intentions, but we're actually not helping the situation. We're making it worse. Or, and I, and I, I wanted you to share, what, what would you say for a community like ours that wants to make an impact in terms of homelessness? What are the best ways, the most effective ways that we can come alongside task force like yours or other organizations in our community? A simple answer, I'd partner. So I, the, this is not an easy answer. The, the problem with whole homelessness is, is just not one dimensional. Um, everyone is homeless for their own reasons. Some simply want to be homeless. They, they don't want the help. Um, and then some have addictions and some have mental illness. It depends how we're, what type of homeless person we're talking about. Um, the, the one thing I would do, um, because you're right, you, you have to give the right kind of resource to the right kind of person at the right time. Um, simply throwing things out to certain people, giving, offering them certain things, just doesn't help them. Sometimes it facilitates um, their behavior. What we do, um, and I, I'm not the expert. I just am in charge of the experts. My folks are amazing. Uh, and I, I've watched them work, and at least especially our caseworkers, they make that person take 10 steps to them before they take two or three steps in their direction. That, that what will happen is they have to show that that person really wants the help and as those people come forward, then they say, okay, here's something else I need you to do. Then that person does that. Okay, now I need something else for you to do. Then that person does that. And there's all these steps that they take. And they don't even really start kind of lay out the red carpet until they've taken several of those steps that way. And then they say, for groups like you, okay, I've got a group that can help you. I've got a group that can help you get housed. Housing is one of our biggest challenges. Because um, we get a lot of temporary housing, like someone can give us money. And we can say, okay, we can put you in a hotel for a week, but that's a short-term solution. And so it's getting them in, sometimes in contact with their families and then getting, back, getting them back to Florida or getting them back or up north in California, wherever they're from, or in, in another country. And so, again, those steps of them coming forward is key to showing if that's going to be a successful transition for that person that's homeless. Because if they don't want to come, if they don't want that, they'll only take the first step. And they'll say, okay, well, what do you have for me? And we'll be like, well, no, you have to take all these other steps. And like, no, I'm out. And so obviously we want to put, you know, just like a church, you want to take that money that is given to you and you want to do what, you know, is the appropriate thing to do with that money. And so um, I would, 
after I'm done, if you want to come up with some solutions, I can bring my group here. They can talk to you about homelessness and how to help and how to, how to assist those caseworkers um, best, but they'll take any support you want to give them. Great. So. That's fantastic. Related to that, I mean, we've kind of addressed the questions and we have a little bit more time. There's two things I specifically want to ask before, I, before we're done. The first is, well, I don't know what you know <laughs> of this church, uh, all the years that it's been in the community. I would love for you to share your perceptions of grace, uh, for good, bad, or otherwise, but also in general beyond us specifically as Grace Church, to say to a community like ours, you have, this, you have the microphone, what's something that you would say to us that, where we can make a help, be helpful in the community? What would, you know, we, we th part of this is coming out of, again, sometimes related even beyond the homeless question, we do things we think for the benefit of our neighborhood, and sometimes we're doing things that aren't really needed, <laughs> or we're not doing things that are even more vital, that actually this would be really critical. And so I want to, just wanted to give you the opportunity to say, you know, I'm standing before a church, people who live in this community, who want to serve, who want to give their time, who want to offer the gifts that God's given them. What's the biggest way that you see that we could make an impact? Um, again, kind of a, a large question, but uh, I'd say basically, you know, take some of the, uh, the input that we provided you, uh, take into consideration some of the suggestions we made as far as volunteering opportunities. Uh, keep your eyes open, uh, stay optimistic, and uh, I think we'll continue to, to press on. Carol, would you want to add anything? I would like to strongly suggest that you have perhaps several of the staff here at Grace, maybe some of your people that usher on Sundays, and certainly some of the staff at the school take our CERT training. So if something happens while the kids are at school or you're at church or uh, something you know, like that, that you have people here that know how to respond and can take care of the people here. Because again, first responders may not be able to. And if someone here doesn't know how to put the fire out, doesn't know how to use an AED, doesn't know how to just do something simple like stop bleeding, uh, you could make a huge difference by doing that. But it takes the time to take the training so that you have that in place and then maybe lay in some very simple supplies that can help those people. Steal it from me a second here. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Carol. I'm so glad and we're very fortunate that Carol works for us. She actually works for us and she also volunteers for us. So at the end of the day, I think she's really putting in 40 plus hours and really is extremely devoted. We're very fortunate and I like your suggestion. Actually, Carol's the reason I'm here, because she sent an email saying, who are we going to get from the police department? I said, uh, I'll come. It's for Carol, I'll come. <laughs> um, um, I'll, I'll tell you this. So my pastor, um, Jeremy, he says at the end of every service, he says, now go be the church, right? And so what does that mean? What does that mean for you as a church? It doesn't mean that this is where it happens, right? If you're missional, if, if we're out there and we're, we're taking it out there, it's, it's going to be in the church outside of this building. And I was raised, as a kid, I was raised that this was the church inside here and that everything happened in here. And that there was, there was the ends of the earth stuff that we would put pictures up on the wall and stuff and see these people that were helping all over the country, all over different countries. But there were no pictures of any neighbors. And so one thing as a, as a Christian, as I've, as I've developed and evolved, you know, and through, through years and years and, and going to um, church after church and being a part of different uh, missions, was that it's about these people that are right around you. Do, do we, you may know a bunch of people in different countries, but do you even know the people in a couple of streets over? 
do you know what's going on in Oakview? And I think that's, that's, that's part of our Jerusalem, right? That's what, that's what we have to reach out to. And so I think as, as, as you guys figure out what that looks like for you, um, I, I will definitely be a resource if you need it. Um, and you are part of a huge group of pastors that are doing amazing things. This is, I will tell you this, I've never seen, and I've been doing this job for a long time, I've never seen what's happening, not just in Oakview, but in Huntington Beach, with all of your churches and pastors coming together, because as churches, we want to kind of, no, 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 we're grace, we do our own thing, right? Like, we're, we're first Christian, we do our own thing. They're all coming together, right? As, a bo- as one body of Christians, I've never seen that. So what's happening here is a big deal. You got to be a part of it. It's like a fire, not, no, no pun intended. But, it, it's, it, but we want this fire to catch, right? Because what's happening is very important. What's happening in Oakview is huge. What's happening in Huntington Beach is huge. So, good word. Right? The last question I want to ask the three of you, because I, th- I think I'd be remiss if I didn't. And this is, we've talked a lot about our community that surrounds us. Uh, but as we're going to end this time, we're going to be praying for each of you in a, in a few moments. But I want to ask... How can we be praying for the Huntington Beach Police Department? How can we be praying for the Huntington Beach Fire Department? How can we pray for the wider CERT community? I mean, what are the, some of the specific challenges you're, you guys are facing, um, needs that you see? I, I just, I want to give you the opportunity to share that with us, if you will. Well, from the police department's perspective, keep us safe, right? We come across a lot of challenges. Um, it's like fire. They go into fire. We get fired at. So um, that our police officers are safe as they go about their job. Um, those challenges still exist in Huntington Beach, um, that their families are okay, because they deal with that when you send someone away, just like fire, you know, you send, the, you send your public safety people away for the day, you don't really know if they're going to come back. Um, that our resources and the things that we need to do our jobs, sometimes it, those become challenging, right? We don't have the same kind of resources we did years and years ago. Um, and so we're, we're doing a lot more with a lot less. And so... Pray that those, uh, our officers that are taxed are able to, to continue doing their jobs and keep a smile on their face and still do it with the desire to do the job for the calling that they have. So. Well, thank you, uh, Pastor Chris. And I, I'd echo what uh, Kent uh, Farron has indicated. I'd also ask that the congregation pray for the, the mental health and the safety of our first responders. Uh, mental health is becoming a, a challenge for, you know, across the community specific to first responders, uh, the calls that we see, the interactions that we have, uh, they can really impact a particular individual and that will potentially spill over to their coworkers and even their, in their home environment. So uh, we ask for guidance and, and uh, prayers for that. And again, thank you very much. Well, I keep saying the same thing, but get cert trained so that you can take care of yourself and your family, help out your neighbors, help out people because we don't have enough first responders to take care of everybody. We just don't. And so if you are able to take care of yourself and your family and your neighbors, that's a huge responsibility off of our first responders, and they can go take care of other situations that maybe uh, don't have people there that can help them, or maybe it's a very large incident. And uh, so if you can put out a small fire at your home or stop the bleeding on someone, uh, that's going to be a huge thing. So t- take the time. It is up to you to get trained. You know, God always wants us to uh, be good to our neighbors, love thy neighbors as thyself. Well, if you love yourself and want to help out your family and your neighbors, one really good way is figure out how to take care of each other. 
Well, like I said, we want to, you're our guests, and we, I cannot express to you, you have other things that could be going on in other communities, and Jeremy, because Jeremy will come looking for me if we do, um, but that you're here, that you've given us your time, that you've given us of your experience and of your expertise. We want to honor you in saying thank you as we have, but we also want to pray for you. We want to pray for you, for your families. We want to pray for those who are on your teams, uh, those who are part of the wider departments that you serve. And so what I want to do at this time is I want to invite our elders to come forward, elders who are actively serving on the council, those who have served before, to just come around them on the back. Um, I've asked three particular elders to pray for each of you. And then as they come forward, I want to invite you as they lead us in prayer to join in those prayers as well, please. Let's just gather right around here. I'm gonna start and I'm gonna close. I'm gonna pass the mic to the three elders I've asked to, to pray and everyone get a chance to get up here. You don't have to do this, but something we do here is if you wanna be, part of laying hands on is just that sense of connectedness as a community. If you feel so led, you can put your hand out like this while we pray and it's a way of you being up here as well, laying hands on them for us as a community. Let's pray together. Our gracious God, we are thankful. We are thankful that you have gifted, that you have called individuals like the ones that, have, that are here today. Um, we thank you for police officers like Kenton. We thank you for f- firemen and women um, like our battalion commander, Bill. We thank you for those who work and volunteer to be in the thick of emergencies, in the thick of trauma, to make sure that things do not get worse, that lives are not lost like Carol. And we are so appreciative of the days and weeks and years that they've committed to being a part of our community and serving, and for the opportunity we've had to benefit from their wisdom and experience today. And we just want you, Lord, to hear our prayers as we seek blessing upon them, favor upon them, their families, those they work with, and uh, the wider agencies that they represent. So, Lord, hear our prayer as we pray for them. Father God, it's a privilege this morning to pray for Lieutenant Farron and all the men and women of the Huntington Beach Police Department. Uh, Your son said, blessed be the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Uh, I ask for your special hedge of protection, not only over them as they perform their duties, but also over their families, because it is truly a job that affects life 24 hours a day. And I ask for for respect in both directions, Um, not only as they go out and deal with the public, but from the public back toward those members of this department from which, which whom they have contact, for there it is unknown where they have been last and where they will go next. And it is uh, a special privilege this morning to to pray for this police department. Father God, send your Holy Spirit and we ask that you continue to bless the fire department and Battalion Chief Bill and his uh, team as firefighters in Huntington Beach. We live in, we're so blessed to live in Huntington Beach in this area and that we just ask that you protect them when they go out on the, on the calls that they get, that you put that hedge of protection around them, uh, provide them with safety as they provide for us and they serve us. Father, 
We heard that uh, the mental health of, of these first responders is an issue today, and we just ask that you uh, use your divine intervention, that you help them find help, and, and that you give them the peace that they need to deal with the things that they come across. Uh, this is a, a very uh, tough world to be in, and especially the guys that are on the front lines, like our firefighters, our policemen. And Father, we just thank you for the presence that they've given us today, the information that they've given us, and ask that you continue to bless them and their families going forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Lord of compassion, you call us to be our brothers and sisters keepers. And we look forward to your coming again, Lord, but we need to be prepared now to help each other. And we just thank you that Carol's brought us the tools that we need by being trained for the things that we need to know today to help those around us for ourselves, for our families, for our neighbors, for our community. And so as we've heard that there is training available, let us not fail to avail ourselves of ways that we can be equipped to be your hands in our very neighborhood, not just looking forward to the future, Lord, but looking forward to today and tomorrow, how we can take some of the stress off the professionals that are trying to deliver so many services with so little resources. And so we thank you and bless Carol and the work that she and Phil do, that you would continue to strengthen them, that you would continue to make their voices heard, and that it wouldn't go just in one ear and out the other, but right straight to our hearts, Lord, that we would be convicted that volunteering is not an option, but it's part of the job that you've given us to do as your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Lord, we just thank you again. We pray for protection upon the members of our police department, our fire department, and our CERT team. We pray that you would send them out filled with strength and courage and confidence, humility and wisdom, that you'd bring them home safely. We pray for their families. We pray for their loved ones, Lord, that you would help them to continue to be patient, to be encouraging, to be supportive uh, in the midst of the sacrifice that they make in, in, in <laughs> offering their loved ones uh, for our protection and defense and care. We pray for continued unity. We pray for continued collaboration. We pray for continued resources so that we are not asking these men and women to do jobs, to answer calls um, without the tools that they need, without the support that they need. Lord, we pray that we, as members of the community, when we vote, as we pay taxes and using our voice, would give them the support they need to be on the front lines, to be first responders and to do the job that you've called them to do. But Lord, let us not just give our votes, let us not just pay our taxes, but as, as our elders have shared, let us offer our lives to support them and be good neighbors in training, being trained, in using the gifts and resources we have in volunteering, and in being responsible citizens that seek to um, prevent, to come alongside when things take place, and just, again, to improve this community that you've privileged us to be a part of. And uh, help us do that as individuals, Lord, but help us to do this as your body here at Grace. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Once again, can we thank God for these individuals that are here today? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Karen.
You're welcome now. So as they're heading back to their seats and our praise team is coming up, I want to just share uh, these final words with you as we move on. The question was simple enough to Jesus, who is my neighbor? But what we often miss in this story is that Jesus' response was totally unexpected and ran contrary to traditional thinking. I don't know if you know this, but the original meaning of neighbor in Hebrew was associate. In Leviticus 19.18, which is where the teacher of the law is quoting from, it refers to a fellow Hebrew. So your neighbor was a fellow Hebrew. The Old Testament almost always identified the word neighbor to describe a fellow Israelite with few exceptions. So understand now how out of the ordinary Jesus' answer is when he defines the neighbor as being someone who's not an Israelite. What Jesus teaches us is being a neighbor is not restricted to relation or proximity. Being a neighbor is merely the demonstration of the love and mercy of God to all in need, whoever, wherever they may be, regardless of race, denomination, or belief. Jesus teaches us, and this is what we're going to be focusing on for Lent, we're going to dive deeper into this idea that love is an action, not just a feeling or a theory or a program, but that love requires the shouldering of others' burdens, even when sometimes that's an uncomfortable process. I want to share with you something that I'm going to be doing during Lent. It's very common during the season of Lent, you may know this, to give something up or take something on. It's a way of focusing more intently on Christ as we prepare for the new life that comes at Easter. It's a church tradition. It's not biblical. It's a practice. And, and this idea of giving something up, most people will give up meat or they'll give up candy or Facebook or something like that. But what I want to share with you is Lent doesn't have to be just about giving up. In fact, I think it's best when it isn't. Because if our Lenten practice is only about us, what we will allow ourselves or not allow ourselves, we miss the point. And so what I want to frame for you is what if we embrace Lent instead this year as an opportunity to show love for our love for God and for others? What if we took these 40 days that we have and dedicated each to reminding ourselves it's not about us as individuals, but about God, and it's about all of us together? And so in that spirit, I'm giving myself this Lent a challenge, and I'm calling it the Love Like Jesus Challenge. And here's how it's going to work for me. Each day, I want to do at least one thing that either strengthens my connection with God or shows my love for my neighbor. And now, when I say that to you, that may sound like a lot, and it did to me when God put it on my heart, because it feels like it's just one more piece of work in my already crammed schedule and yours, Right? But what I'm advocating for you this Lenten season over these next few weeks is not creating an additional burden, but I'm asking you instead to let God actually enter into the space that you've already carved out in your life. It's about not adding something, but being more conscious about what you're already doing and using what you're already doing in a way that connects you with others and connects you with Christ. It's about turning your daily walk into an opportunity for prayer. It's about that taking that trip to the store that you've got to make anyway and buying just a few more cans of soup or food for the food pantry. It's about buying a cup of coffee not just for yourself while you wait in that line at Starbucks, but surprising the person behind you and buying their cup of coffee too. Or it's about skipping coffee for a day or for a week or for a month, buying it, I mean, and putting that money towards clean water or some other project that God tilts your heart towards. We don't have to turn the world on its access. That's not what this is about for me. We simply have to turn our attention outward and let God use the small things in our lives matter in big ways. So that's what I'm gonna do and what I wanna put out to our community is if you wanna join me on this path, if you follow me on social media and if you don't, I'll become your friend. I won't defriend anybody. I'm gonna be, <laughs> I'm gonna be sharing my journey in Lent 
using the hashtag love like Jesus, and I invite you to do the same. I want these next 40 days to be the start of a new habit, an even deeper rhythm of all of us growing closer to God. And in doing that, growing closer to our neighbors and through it all, following Jesus by honoring the commandment of love he not only gave us, but as we're gonna celebrate at the end of this journey, he powerfully enacted for us on the cross. I hope you'll join me.